Well, I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you to John and the elders, particularly Daniel, who I think gave up his slot for me. So I appreciate that. And um, my, I'm here with my wife and my daughter and my future son-in-law. So it's really lovely to have them, Kezia, Ben, Michelle. And um, yeah, really looking forward to sharing my heart with you. Um, I've been doing a year and a half of theology and I haven't spoken since I started. So I have a year and a half of theology, you know, and you know, somebody says something and I'm like, yeah, that's, uh, and, and what we need to know is, and so uh, I have to stay focused because we're having lunch with Sharon and Steve. Okay. There's the spiritual and then there's the reality. And uh, so it's great they've come and we've spent some time with them and it's good to you know, we, we, it's just like a whirlwind when we come because we come, even come for five weeks and, you know, it is a blaze of glory that we, poor old Jim and Margaret, came with us on our Tuscan, Switzerland, France, Paris trip and it was this night we're here, this night we're here, uh, pack your bags, we're going, come on, up you get, up you get and uh, so we renewed, they were renewed in their spirits and I think even physically having Margaret walking down slopes in Siena like this and up slopes and up uh, steps into great cathedrals I was thinking by next next year we'll do a half marathon together or something like that so um, you see John Rose at the back there love you guys so um, yeah beautiful um, I love what Janet was saying. I remember when I was here, and some will remember that God sometimes prompted me just to run around the church. Um, you know, so I, I feel your pain um, it's because it's, it's so in us um, that we want people to really discover who God is. And we know that you know who God is <laughs> and you express God, but there's always more, isn't there? There's always more to the revelation of Jesus Christ even today um, and I hope to remind you of things not necessarily teach you things but remind you of things um, that that God's put on my heart I've been in the, the book of Ephesians and it, it's interesting that in the beginning of the year I, we went on mission to Kenya and it was wonderful just to take the book of Ephesians and just take you know the first half of chapter one and preach it then the second half of chapter one preach it etc. Uh, and I don't know if, if you read Ephesians. I, I love Ephesians. Who loves Ephesians? I think Ephesians is the most inspiring and encouraging book. When I read it, I'm like, yeah, I'm being blessed. Just, just reading it, and like Revelation, you read it aloud, it has such a greater impact on our hearts. And so you read Ephesians, and you're saying, wow, the guy who was writing this I don't know, he must have been living in the Tuscan hills. He must have just previously visited the winery, had a beautiful meal, five glasses of wine, uh, sober up, uh, detox. And, but you know what? It, it says here in, in Acts 21, it says, uh, and this was Paul who wrote Ephesians, and it's, it's known as the prison letters. But it says, on the next day we departed and came to Caesarea and we entered the house of Philip, the evangelist, who was one of the seven, and stayed with him. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. And while they were staying there for many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea 
and coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own hands and feet and said, this is what the Holy Spirit is saying. This is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns his belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Who, who, who loves that type of prophecy? <laughs> you know, this is what's going to happen to you, Paul, when you go to Jerusalem. You know they're going to kill you, they're going to imprison you, and you're going to die. Uh, who's had a circumstances this week um, that we can come to God and glorify God? But Paul, Paul had some circumstances, and we read that, don't we, in his letters. You know, he was hit and beaten and shipwrecked and stoned and nearly died. And yeah, he's right, he's, He is writing Ephesians. He's actually under house arrest and he is writing these letters to the churches that he loved. And you go, man, this guy must know something about God. He must know what it is to live by the Holy Spirit, to have the Holy Spirit living and moving in his heart because house arrest might sound good for some of us who you know, fancy a little R&R, you know, &R, but... <laughs> It, it, wasn't, it was as, wasn't as bad as prison, but it was still restrictive. He couldn't go out. He couldn't, you know, people would come and visit him and things like that. But, you know, he had something that I believe, and maybe if I interpret Jana a little bit uh, this morning, is, is that we all got to get it. I really want us to get it that no matter what our circumstances are, the, the, the thing, the, the truth that ushers out of us is that by which God has put in us by the Holy Spirit and then we can declare. So whether we declare it with our mouths and we say, you know what, it does not matter what the circumstances say because I have a hope and a future in God. And what Jim's saying, whether you're thinking in a year's time, in two years' time, we may depart from this earth and we'll be in glory or whether we're young, I tell you what, I want to emphasise it this morning, is that in God is far better when you are young, middle-aged, married, single, divorced, widowed, than it ever is in the world trying to do your own thing. The, the life that God gives us is not one that we have to bear all the way to eternity and, and be rescued in heaven. It actually is God coming down now in us, the church, the expression of God to the world. And what are we expressing? And I want us to say, you know, we are expressing victory. Yeah. Daniel prayed it. We might not know the full extent of the victory, but it is Jesus has been victorious and we live in the victory of Jesus Christ. We don't live in our own strength of victory and we can cope. We simply just say, it's all about you, Jesus, and I want to live in you. And here's Paul writing this uh, Ephesians. <clears throat> and I want to just read Ephesians 2. And if I put that, my little, it looks a little bit like the uh, English flag, so I thought you'd like that, um, if we could put that up there. Um, I just saw a bit of patriotism, um, the Red Cross. Um, I'm not going to talk, I could talk on all that, but it would probably take about five, six hours. Um, but... I just want to talk a little bit about that, pick a couple of things out and, and really just say, well, there it is, enter in. Thanks, John. And I want to entitle this, Before the World Began. 
Um, so if we look at Ephesians 2, 1 to 10, if you've got your, your Bibles there or your phones or... And this is it, it says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. I want to just stop there. You know... Paul paints this really desperate picture. Um, some people uh, use this verse for total depravity. You know, it is absolutely impossible for man to come into relationship with God because of the fallenness of sin. And it is, there's nothing that they can do. They are totally under, some, some uh, people believe, legally under the devil because of Adam's sin, that the devil, um, by right, took control. And they were under the, the, the bondage or the uh, slavery of Satan. And we know, we only have to look out today and see all the impact of that world, that the reign of sin, of darkness, of depravity. Of, of, it's out there. And... You know, and it was in us, and we were it. And that was what Paul's saying. He's saying, you know, that's, that's who we were once. But, verse 4, but God. Amen? I love that. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and he raised us up and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Total depravity. Cannot get across the void to be with God. Cannot go back into relationship with God. But God came. Amen. That's, if you're a Christian here, that's your testimony. You know, I was lost, but Jesus found me. I was, I was in darkness, but the light came. I didn't know where I was. I was hopeless, but God. Yeah? Um, put that up, think, Dave. Um, oh, I've got it here. You can put it up there. Um, I don't know. These might resonate with you. I was in bondage, but God. I was in sin. I couldn't attain the, the measure that God wanted of me, but God. I was isolated. I was lonely. I, I had no, no sense of who I was, no purpose, no, no identity in myself, but God. It seemed that everything was a struggle. I laboured. I toiled. I tried. I, I gave up. I tried again, but God. And to what end? So many people go, what's it all about? And we know, because the Bible says, isn't it, the, the, the devil, Satan, has blinded the eyes of them they can't believe. Even that, but God, by the Spirit, comes. And I pray this morning that it isn't an, an acknowledgement of our, of our uh, consci conscious mind, it is a revealing of our spirit, but God has come to intervene in my life and come to save me. 
And then what? Is it, does it stop there? I mean, Jim said this a couple of weeks ago. You know, we can tend to think, oh, that's it, I'm saved. Um, who's that great um, evangelist who, um, you know, he, he was, I think he had a vision of Jesus, was in the sea. Who was that? Uh, and he was saving, Jesus was saving people, bringing them to the shore. And then they were sitting around fires singing Kumbaya and, Jesus was going, look, there's more to save. There's more to save. Uh, it's one of the great um, evangelists. can't remember. Anyway, it's a true story, I think. Um, but, and then it says this, by, by grace, MLG. Who's going to MLG? Mercy, love and grace. I am. <laughs> Not mission, life, grace. Mercy, love and grace. It's a better, it's a better MLG than the MLG. Um, I, b- I believe it. And what's he saying? Verse 7. Here we are. So that in the coming ages. Wow. In the coming age, This age. The next age. Yeah, this age is going to pass. Jim's just shared that. This great revelation when you're sitting and looking at the mountains of Mont Blanc in the Alps. And you go, wow, that's fantastic. But then I think, wow, so is worshipping God, isn't it? In this, in this church. In the, in the presence of God. Is, is it comparable to Mount Blanc in all its amazement? Um, <clears throat> so that in the coming ages he might show the, uh, is my Pentecostal bit now, immeasurable riches. Everybody say immeasurable riches. Yes. I won't do that anymore. All right. The immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ. For by grace... You have been saved through faith, and this not of your own doing. Couldn't do it. Yeah, we, in those first verses, impossible to save yourself. It's the grace of God that comes to save us. Not a result of works, not of labouring, not of trying, not of trying to do my best. Not going to work. For, and then it says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You know, and I think that's, that's the gospel. You know, that is the gospel. The, the life that God has for us is not just simply saving us from sin, but opening up to us a, a, a life in God, good works. Uh, you know, and someone's praying it, isn't it? When we come into God, what I love about God is when we come into God and we follow him, all our circumstances and situations seem to align themselves to what God's will is. Yeah. It's not like, oh, I've got to know God's will. Uh, I've got to do this. I've got to do that. No, Jesus said, follow me. And all these things are going to come into line. But this is, this is the impact of my first part of the message. This is, the, and this is, you go from death to life, abundant life. That's what Jesus said, John 10, 10. Love, extravagant love. Who, you know the love of God is extravagant. Yeah, God is not some stingy God. He's not a hard God. He's not a God who's, you know, fed up with you because you keep messing up. There is a, there, God extravagantly loves you. Extravagantly loves you. Freedom, unlimited, Galatians. You know, it, it says we're free. But don't use your freedom as occasion for sin, but by love serve one another. You know, you're free to serve each other. 
Isn't that wonderful? You can serve each other in any way, in any capacity that you want. You can, you can pour out love on, on your neighbours, on your family, and, and just do it. Do whatever comes to your heart. Do it. That's freedom, isn't it? I'm free to serve and love my neighbours. Um, be careful that you don't just internalise and start just loving yourself. But be free to love. Freedom, unlimited. The righteousness of Christ. I, I was studying... Luther, Martin Luther, who is the Reformation, and he wrote this article, Two Kinds of Righteousness. But what, very briefly, we at the cross, at that transaction, we receive by faith his righteousness. It's not my righteousness, it's his righteousness. That's how we live before God. And Jesus was perfect. He did exactly what his father did. So by faith I live. I am righteous. I am made righteous. It is accounted to me, it is imputed to me righteousness that I can stand before God and live in the presence of God because of Jesus Christ. Not because of my works, not because of what I'm, if I'm a good Christian or a bad Christian. You know, I mess up. I make mistakes. I come back and I say, I thank you, Jesus, that you have revealed yourself to me as my saviour, my king, my lord. I come, I repent, I give my life back to you. I put my faith in you. Your righteousness is mine. Yeah. Isn't it? John, 1 John, isn't it? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness so that we are righteous again to stand in the presence of God as children. Community. Trinity, the Godhead, is, is the centrepiece of the whole kingdom of God. It's all about community. I'll talk a bit about that in a minute. And this one, rest in the finished work of Jesus. But maybe that's what Jim shared, wasn't it? Hope. Isn't it wonderful that we can live in the fullness of God now and then look forward to an unfolding of the fullness of God in the future when he comes again? Where there be no sickness, no suffering, no dying, no, no evil. No evil will be there. You know, the, the represent, here's my theological point. The representation of the sea in heaven in Hebrews is all about evil. And so when heaven has no sea, it has no evil. Evil is gone. Isn't that wonderful? When we, when we think about this world, what we have to in, listen to, endure, tragedies, that go on and we go, you know, when, when Jesus comes again and, and does whatever he does, um, there's going to be no more sickness, death, sin. And we're going to be new, new creations, new creatures, new bodies. Uh, hopefully, with a, I'll still be left-handed with a good swing, but I don't know. We'll see how we go with that one. But that's the finished work of Jesus. But this is the point. When did that centrepiece happen because I believe that happened before the foundation of the world amen. Amen? amen before you and I were even born before man sinned before Noah came and was the only one found with grace and everybody else died in the flood before I messed up before this happened in my life before the world Jesus had already made the commitment to come and save humanity. And not just, you know, this is my point of community, but not just save me. 
although I am saved by his love. But he came to save the whole world. His love for humanity is so strong, so vast, so big, so extravagant that he would do anything to bring you and I and us back into relationship with God before the world began. And, what I, and my point there was, when we see that, I don't know if you think, yeah, that was a, I knew that, Phil, that's great. But for me, when I realise that, I say, you know what, God is already working on my behalf for those that I love. And I give, I give a story, I know Abigail's listening, I give a story, I, um, I went out, my, my, our Abigail was going through a bit of a rebellious stage and she was in some deep, deep trouble. And I remember about two in the morning praying, calling, call, God, will you, will you have mercy on her? Will you love her? Will you show grace to her? And God, in, in my spirit, said, I love her more than you do. That's what he said. And then I realised that even before Abigail was born, God has set his heart of love upon her. Even though she and, and those that we love have decided to go their way away from God, to acknowledge God, God isn't saying, well, that's your, that's your issue. Before the foundation of the world, God has purpose in his heart to pour out his love and grace and mercy upon all that, all of humanity. So to me, it changes my, my prayer. You know, I'm not saying, because this gives me the, the impression that we all messed up and God says, oh, I'm going to have to fix it now. But no, it was fixed before it came. You're with me. It was fixed. So when I pray, thank you, Lord, that your love, your mercy, your grace for so-and-so and so-and-so is far greater, far more uh, abundant than, than me as a mere human can do in that you are working. And this was really that it prompted me or it encouraged me. And John was talking about the undercurrent. You remember that? Who was there with the undercurrent? Uh, John was in the undercurrent. But isn't that true? For, for, for those that we love, you know, it's not dependent on my prayer. Although God says, come, come to me. You know, with supplication and prayers. It's, it's not, oh, if I pray to God more, will he save? No, God is the same. I'm doing it already. I'm working in the, the hearts of men and women. I'm revealing myself. That's Romans says, isn't it? All creation reveals who God is. And we just go, well, it's a mystery, Lord, because I know that why did I, even me, you know, and you might go, well, Phil, you, you, know, you were brought up in a Christian home and your mum and dad were okay and, you know, you, you grew up in church, you went to youth, it's all right for you, you came to the Lord. You know, it's by revelation. Yes. It is by revelation. How does God reveal himself to me is not just because I was brought up in a Christian home. And sometimes being brought up in a Christian home is harder because you know it all. And I'd say that to Abigail. I couldn't say to Abigail, ah, Abigail, you know God loves you. Because she'd say, yes, Dad, I know God loves me. I know he died for me. I know this. I know that. But she didn't get a revelation until God came. And this is, 
I just want to emphasize this because it says that in Ephesians 1 verse 4, chapter 1 verse 4, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be homely and blameless before him in love. Ephesians chapter 1 is, is an amazing chapter. And yeah, so that's, that's point one. I've got 12 points. No, I haven't. <laughs> My first point is always the longest. And then it kind of goes like that. So I could say, amen, let's pray. But let me just share two things. Um, you can answer that. We'll just wait for Sharon. Um, I, I love that. One. <laughs> hey, it woke Steve up anyway. Um, so the second one is this. Community. The whole Godhead is in, in community. Sorry, Dave, you're going to have to just... I'm skipping everything because I'm talking too much. Um, Jesus prayed in John 17. He said, let them be one, even as we are one. And, and one thing I've learned over the last year and a half, um, which again is just a, a revelation to me, is that we, or I, let's say me first, but I think our society, our our Western culture has gone from a we mentality to a me mentality. We've gone from the community to, well, what's, what, it's about me. What's in it for me? And again, this, this came about in the 17th, 18th century, which we used to call the Enlightenment period. This is where people switch off. But I really enjoy it. Um, and one of, the, one of the outworkings was after the Dark Middle Ages, it all came about reason, individualism, scepticism, and science. Not that science wasn't there before, because before science and God had no issue. Now science and God don't seem to correlate, because this whole thing of reason, individualism, scepticism. And, and that individualism is what I grew up in, in my culture. It, it wasn't that I was taught that. It's just, you know, and, and this is the... Um, when we, when we read the Bible, um, you read Ephesians chapter 1, just, um, that was it, uh, Ephesians, and you, blah, 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 all right? And Paul would say, and you, I read, and me, <laughs> that's my first instinct. Oh, it's about me. Paul's writing to me, you know, but it's not. Paul's saying, and you, just as he chose us in him, oh, I'm part of it. Paul said that, there are many members, one body, but... There's more emphasis on the body than there are many members. And this is what God wants to bring us into. He wants to bring us back into the us, the community, the we, because it's necessary. Individualism doesn't work. It brings isolation. In Australia, 51% of people in Australia, which is the best country in the world, say that they are lonely. And that doesn't mean that they're on their own because of individualism. And, and it does enter into the church because really people go and choose churches to see what fits me is it, is, does it work for me rather than actually I need to be part of the community and to be, and to be part of the community you have to give don't you, you can't it's, if, if I, can, I remember one guy here many years ago uh, and said nobody talks to me so I said to him well hold on, watch this and this is when the chairs were all that at the back, and I just went and sat on a chair by the wall on my own. And nobody came up and talked to me. 
Maybe they thought I was having a personal reflection time, or I don't know. But I said, there, there you are. It's, it's not, oh, they all talk to you, Phil, but they don't talk to me. Now, I'm not, just, I'm not saying sometimes, we, even in church, we can feel lonely. You know, we, we come in and we just feel lonely, even though there's a whole group of people. And as a church, we, not the, not the, you know, the elders and the leaders, we have to resolve that problem. Because we don't want people to feel isolated and lonely in church. That's the worst part of where it is. And so we is about, um, or in the, in the African, isn't it? What is it, darling? Ubuntu. Ubuntu is about that I, what is it? I am you are. Yeah, spoke with such depth of voice there. <laughs> it's got a cold. Um, yeah, I am because you are. I am not me without you. Yes. Isn't that, isn't that yeah. what God wants? In fact, the greatest expression of it is Jesus said, I'm going to give myself to you. Yeah. I come to the cross for you, for the church for the glory of God, for the eternal future, for the whole plan of salvation that started before even God said the first word. It was already there and ready to go. Why? Because he loves you. He's got his heart for you, set his heart upon you. He wants you to be part of his community. He wants you to be in fellowship, communion with him. You don't want to be um, individual. Third and final point. And that's that last one, um, rest. You know, it's interesting, I was just looking at this word, and this is Genesis 2, uh, verse 1 to 3, and it says, um, you can get there before me. Um, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. Yeah, we know that's Genesis 2, 1 to 3. God rested, you know, and the Sabbath was implemented. And you get this idea that God had done six days' work and he was exhausted from the six days. I mean, that's quite a lot to do in six days. And he was exhausted, so he rested. Yeah, we get, I, I, I've thought that before. I was just chilling out. Sabbath is about chilling out, doing nothing, resting. And actually, rest is entering into the finished work. That's what he did. He created the world and he entered into it. And I think when you enter into it, you acknowledge that it is finished. It was good. That's what Jim said. It was good. And day two, it was good. And day when, the, when man was created, it was very good. And he said, it's done. And I'm going to enter into it. I'm going to, what do you do? You enter into it. Enjoy it. You know, I'm not going to continue working. But God hasn't rested in the sense that he's not doing anything. And that's the, that enlightenment period their conclusion was, well, God, God's there, but he's up there and he's distant and he's not interested, um, which is as far, you know, it's alive the devil, yeah. bottom line. Yeah. But he is involved in his creation. He is involved in his people. I mean, the whole sense of Emmanuel, God with us. God, I say that God for humanity is with us. Why? because he loves us and mercy and grace are what is needed to bring us out of darkness into life bring us out of the 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 oh guys the the emptiness of the domain of darkness 
the trouble of it, the strife of it, the worry of it, the anxiety of it, into the kingdom of his son, the kingdom of light, where God reigns, where, where everything is then given to us, all the uh, abundance of his riches and his glory and his grace. And it's not just up there airy-fairy uh, that, you know, it, it manifests itself in how we live. And I believe that's what God's called us to do. Live. Live for me. Enjoy. Um, you know, we pray the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, what's it like in heaven? You know, again, we're trying to allude to that. And the church in, um, I think it's the church of Laodicea, Revelation 3.20, God says, you know, I stand at the door and knock. Yeah? It's not, a, it's not an evangelistic call. He's saying to a church in Asia Minor, I'm knocking on your door. Let me come in. You know, so where was Jesus? He's outside the door. The church is, what they say, if you take the Holy Spirit out of the church, 90% of it runs like it ever did. You know, we need the Holy Spirit. But then it goes, and then John, in Revelation 4, then John says, and I saw an open door. Where did it go? Into heaven, into the throne room, to the rainbow around the throne, to, the, to those that were worshipping, to where Jesus was, the land that was slain, to where all supremacy and all, all might and all glory and all power and the, and, and the uh, elders who would stand up and give glory to God, then they would fall down and then they would stand up and then they would fall down. I learned this. I mean, you can check it all out, but elders aren't men. They're heavenly beings giving glory to God with, with the angels. And, and Jesus saying, that's what I want you to come into. There's a fullness of it. There's, there's, you know, the Spirit is now is a foretaste of what is coming. But the foretaste is pretty good. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Have we got the sense of the Spirit of God in our lives where you can say, man, the foretaste... I'd be quite happy with the foretaste, but I know that the fullness of it is coming. And I'm, you know, and for some of us it's closer, but we don't know, do we? Um, I could be in heaven tomorrow. Well, my home is heaven because of my wife, but, you know, the, the, the great commandment, you know, these are things that God has been teaching me. The great commandment, you know, go out into all the world, preach the gospel, healing, etc. And then Jesus says, and teach them all, <laughs> as everybody say all, uh, all <laughs> that I have commanded you. Well, what did God command his disciples was more than go out and preach the gospel. Or you look into all the Levitical law, uh, all, all the commandments of God, is actually you go out and you, 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 bring in your, you bring in the stranger, you welcome the stranger into your home. So that the, the, great, the great commission is not about just kind of, oh, we're going to go Kenya, we're going to preach the gospel. Actually, by you going to your neighbour and saying, hey, why don't you come over for a, well, we'd say a barbecue. Um, why don't you come in, have a cup of tea? You know, I'm not saying then you get, you're ready, then you're oh, bang on it with a Bible. You know, but you just show the love of God. And I believe that the love of God is so powerful, so transforming that people, and it's happened, and maybe there are testimonies here today that say, you know, it's the smallest thing that someone did or the smallest thing that someone said. And it took me on a journey where I discovered Jesus and I gave my life to Jesus and now I'm filled with the Spirit and I'm in the kingdom of God and everything's rosy 
even my, even my difficult circumstances, I just lift up my voice and praise God. You know, um, it's a battle, you know. And I, I said that, with, you know, even Paul and Silas were in the, in the smelliest dungeon with rats and that. And then Paul says, hey, guy, not guy, Silas, <laughs> let's just start praising God. Hey, let's just start praising. What's that song? Is my battle? I love that song. <laughs> This is how I fight my battles. You know, the enemy wants to come in like a flood, but we raise up a standard. We just give God praise and glory. So we can enter his rest. You know, in Hebrews 4, 1 to 7, talks about that rest. I didn't write those ones down. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to fail to reach it. Talking to the Jews there. For good news came to us just as it did to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed entered that rest, all right, finished work, the rest, finished work of Jesus. And as he has said, I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished, here we are, from the foundation of the world, For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day, Genesis, in this way God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage he said, they shall not enter my rest because of their disobedience. Therefore, since therefore it remains for some to enter into it. Right? Who's ready? I'm not looking at anyone. Who's ready to enter in to the finished work of Jesus who died on the cross, who shed his blood to give us a life that is abundant rather than death, that it just is destruction. The good news, it's good news, and fail to enter because of disobedience. Last one. Oh, is it? And again, he points a certain day. I love the day. Today. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall be glad and rejoice in it. want to put it out there, this, the, the gospel, Jesus loves you. He loved you from before the foundation of the world. He set his heart upon you to bring you back into community, to bring you into rest, into the finished work of Jesus. And it says, is there something not up here necessarily going, oh, it sounds good, Phil, but in here going, you know, that's me. It's a, it's a stirring of faith in my heart that says, yes, I've got to do it. I don't, know what, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know who this Jesus is really because I've, I've not yet met him, but he's calling me. That's revelation. The, the bride says, come. Come. Come and find Jesus. Come and find rest. Come and find enjoyment in God. Come and find all that he's given you in the riches of his kindness, in the inheritance that he's made for you. That's why Jesus said, let me go. Let me be God for humanity. Let me be the representative man to die on the cross for you. If that's you, I don't have to stand up, put up. I know in your heart you go, yes, that's me. Just speak to God about it. Just say, Lord, I'm coming. I say yes. Amen? Amen. Respond by faith. Amen. Shall I pray? Father, we thank you for the good news. Lord, we've reminded ourselves that even our, even our bodies are aging. Lord, we've, what's, it, what's life about? 
What is the purpose of this whole life that we've lived? Is it not to discover by revelation God's love through Jesus who gave his life to us on the cross? Shed his blood that we might be free from sin, bondage, devil's grip, anxiety, fear and come into the kingdom of life the sovereign reign of God, not just now in this age, but in the coming ages that we'll live eternally with you. Lord, I know that's a message that I responded to many years ago. I continue to respond to. I continue to say, yes, Lord, I'm, I'm coming with you, Jesus, because you are the truth, the way, and the life. And that's my response this morning. I say, yes, to you, Jesus. And I know that in any time, I can just lift up my voice, I can open my heart, I can sing, I can raise a hallelujah because you, you are the good, good Father. And I just pray for all of us, as you've prompted our hearts, as you've spoken to us by your Spirit, maybe to, to enact change in our lives or to, or to just be encouraged in you, whatever it is, Lord, you know, Holy Spirit, you, you work in the... In the um, hidden way Lord have your way or more say thank you Lord that you have your way in our lives and we just commit this to you in Jesus precious name Amen Amen, Amen.